0: Welcome to The Clarity Call, a podcast which provides encouragement and guidance for parents overwhelmed with the responsibilities of raising a child with special needs or has a medically complex diagnosis. Gain an enlightening perspective that helps dispel feelings of fear, uncertainty, or exhaustion as you venture into a life of peace, joy, and clarity. You're now on The Clarity Call with Alicia and Kimberly.
1: Welcome to the Clarity Call, everyone. I'm Kimberly. And I'm Alicia. We are so glad that you're back with us for another episode today. Um, Just to remind you who we are, in case you're new here, we are sisters. Between us, we have 16 children, six of whom have a medically complex diagnosis or are considered special needs. And we are here um, trying to offer you tools and Um, comfort and support to help you on your journey to clarity and to help you overcome the daily challenges that come with being, really being a human. Yeah. But and a caregiver and a mom. Yeah. We have just a little more experience with the special needs community, but really these tools and, and the things that we're trying to offer, um, apply to everybody. So we hope that you're able to take away something that will help you better your life and, uh, and your world in some way. Yeah. So we will begin today, like we do every episode with our reality check, which leads into the fabulous, amazing guest that we have today that we're so excited to introduce you to. Um, And Alicia will start us off with that.
2: Okay. So back in 2019, we attended what our, um, I don't even know that it's necessarily just a church thing, but Time Out for Women. And it really is just an opportunity for women to get together, to have their cups, quote unquote, filled, Mm -hmm. Um, inspiration, music, um, motivation. It's just a beautiful experience. Um, I've been able to go to a couple and this one was especially touching because unbeknownst to us, we were about to transition into a move. And well, we were because we were here looking at a house and we knew that that was going to be our, our new journey. But... Um, So we went and attended this as sisters. Our mom and our sisters were all there together and just had an awesome spiritual um, bonding experience. And um, one of these special guests that presents at Time Out for Women was the fabulous David Butler. Mm -hmm. Well, this was the first opportunity I had to know anything about him personally. Me as well. And I just thought that was really cool. And his stories were amazing and super inspirational. And, and he just has a way of connecting to the audience and connecting to people.
1: Yeah. And that's what I remember more than anything was the connection that I felt as he spoke to what he was saying and especially to my savior and my heavenly father.
2: Right. And just how real, how real he was. And so it's just, I really appreciate that in people being vulnerable and allowing their human side to just come through the gift that they are to the world. Right. Well, anyway, leaving that the next morning, bright and early on a flight, I'm in my seat and in walks David Butler on that flight. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, no way. What the heck is happening right now? Him with a few of the other people, um, I can't remember, maybe the facilitators or administrators of that group, but. I just remember him, and specifically because I was on such a spiritual high, as he walked in, I believe in maybe some sort of a, a sweatshirt, much more relaxed than he was at the presentation, but he was wearing a cross, a necklace, a cross. Now, for those of you who don't know much of our faith, we don't necessarily focus on the cross as a representation of um, something to worship referring to his death, to the savior's death, but more on focusing on his life. Right. And so I remember seeing this and for some reason it stood out and it didn't stand out in judgment. It stood out in, I need to understand more about the why. Right. We want to know why, why, why does he wear this so proudly and open, obviously, enough to where I could see it, right. just by walking in a plane. And I was just intrigued that he was casual, so authentic, and confident in his approach, just coming in on the plane. And and I don't remember hearing much. I was only a couple seats away from where he was sitting. And I just thought that was really special. And at that point, thought, he's going to show up in our life again, you know, at some point, because this was the first time, and and it's not a coincidence. Well, I think it was at Christmas time, my daughter had received a gift at Christmas for, don't miss this, excuse me, um, notebook from a family. And she just said, oh my gosh, okay, if you guys aren't listening, you have to follow this. Um, Come follow me. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. uh, David Butler and Emily Bell Freeman do. uh, Don't miss this podcast and have a YouTube channel for it. And it is Spec. Spectacular. Right, and so my daughter's saying, "Mom, you have to get the boys to watch this. It's very important." Like so, then he resurfaces up in our life again, and I'm like, "Wow!" And have been wowed by so many of your episodes. And I, obviously, I'm honest. I'm not. I haven't gotten on everyone faithfully like my daughter does, and my son. But um, but they let me know when we have really good stuff there.
1: So this is Alicia's
2: young adult daughter, Amanda, that's having connections
1: with, to David Butler again. Yes. Right. So, so awesome.
2: And so I just knew that that was exciting. And then, um, it came back up in our world again here since we've moved a year and a half later. Now my daughter, Brianna, who is a newlywed is
1: attending a summer institute series that David Butler is doing and absolutely loves him. And she sent me a text and she was like, mom, you have to have him on your podcast And I was like, well, then you need to ask him if he'll come on our podcast. And she did. She was so brave. And she walked up to him after Institute or right before Institute one night and said, hey, can you go on my mom's podcast? And he said yes. So we would love to welcome David Butler to the podcast today. Thank you for joining us.
3: Oh, thank you. I am seriously so happy to be here, even though I wanted to interrupt you 25 times because (laughs) while you were doing your intro stuff, because you were too nice. I wanted to like level it out for everybody and just be like, wait, I'm not as good as they're making me sound. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like
1: I said, we have just taken a lot of inspiration. So we appreciate Mm -hmm. the work that you're putting into the world.
3: Well, that's really nice of you to say. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. So David Butler is an author. How many books
3: do you have now? A lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Well, I get. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll go lot. with a lot.
1: You can find his <laughs> stuff on Amazon. Like,
3: he I, has, like should I should I count right now? And then no. I thought, no, no, but seriously no,
1: look won't. up. He has spectacular books. So he's an awesome author. Like we said, he has the podcast and YouTube channel. Don't miss this. He's a father of six. He's from Texas. Y'all mm-hmm. just like us. Yeah. Yes. So what else? And then you're going to be teaching Institute at UVU. Is that what's coming up for you?
3: Yeah, yeah. So I've been teaching here for a couple of years. I taught seminary um for ten years
4: mm-hmm.
3: plus maybe ish. And then um and then I came over here a couple of years ago to UBU. So I teach institute here. Been doing that and then I'm gonna keep doing that again in the fall. But so you do it a you know, there's like a class or two through the summers, a yeah. little lighter, and then back at it full time in the fall. So the church owns you. <laughs> they really do <laughs>
2: okay, so I'm going to throw this in Kimberly doesn't even know I'm going to say this right now but I got a text message last night from our stake high council and said I need to meet with you and I'm like what I'm just a low peon that's new to this stake why would you want to talk to me anyway I did a lot of research really quickly because I am not comfortable with that kind of stuff <laughs> and lo and behold it's gonna I haven't met with him yet I meet with him tonight and I'm thinking it's going to be seminary. And I just, my heart just skipped a beat when you said I'm a seminary teacher. And I went, wait, why today of all days are we interviewing you? Because I'm trying to tell myself why I shouldn't take the call to maybe teach seminary this year for our youth here. Tell me maybe why I should. I don't know. I'm trying to like really (laughs) sort through the prayers on this and I'm I'm nervous and I'm uncomfortable to meet with him because I know what my life is going to be this next year.
3: Yeah, that's funny that you, well, first of all, maybe you'll go in and it'll be something totally different, but if it really is, (laughs) if it really is seminary, uh, well, it's going to make you uncomfortable, and I still get nervous to teach, like, seminary classes, institute classes, just because, oh, for all the reasons that you're nervous, you know, you're just like, I, I want it to be a good experience for them, and you feel underqualified and, uh, it just is, it's, 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 it's really,
4: <laughs> that's making me real comfortable. Probably not the part,
3: <laughs> is, it is uncomfortable. Like I'm not doing a good job of convincing you because like, it was interesting during your introduction. Let me just say this. When you said that, um, that I, that you felt like a connection to me when I was speaking and, um, Like I loved hearing that because as a speaker and as a teacher, most of the time you don't know, you never know what's going on inside of the listeners and you actually um, don't feel connected to them very much because you're, as the speaker or teacher, are really emotionally investing and there's not much chance for reciprocation. So like, I'll put my heart out there, but there's not really a chance for everybody else to put their heart out there also. So you kind of feel like you're in this one-way relationship
4: Mm -hmm.
3: and it's like emotionally draining. And, and, uh, and I, and I think it kind of has to be because people don't want information. They want connection, right? And Mm -hmm. so you have to be vulnerable, open, emotional, you know, in order to help create an experience and connection. But it's tough when um, it doesn't feel like uh, it, when it feels one way. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, but I'm sitting here and you guys are like, oh, we had such a great experience and connection with it. And I'm like, oh, good. I, that makes me so happy because <laughs> I wouldn't have known that otherwise, you know? Yeah. It just is. Um, and so teaching seminary is like that where you're just like, I am investing so much. Um, but, um, the, 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 um, the experiences that you get to have are just beautiful. Like, um, the fact that you get to connect with people and in seminary, it's a little bit easier because it's a smaller group, right? So you do get more chance for somebody to kind of interact, you know? Yeah. um, And they're much younger
2: (laughs) Uh, than Institute now, but yeah.
3: Right. And so, um, I love when I got asked to, moved to the Institute, I I, uh, I I cried because even though it was a really good move for me, it was a good, good move for me. Like, I've really loved it here. Um, mostly because I like, have a personality of wanting to try all new things and, and seminary is pretty structured and, and it just is a little bit more open here um, as far as being able to be creative and different stuff. Um, but I cried because that those seminary years are just really the time when people are discovering their relationship with God for the first time in their life. And to sit front row for it is aggravating and frustrating (laughs) and draining, but it's also like so beautiful and, and it requires an investment, which is risky. So it's it's like like being a special needs mom. (laughs) You maybe <laughs> Everything right? you just said,
1: I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what we want to talk about today is all of those things that you just said, it's aggravating, it's frustrating, but it's so beautiful and it's so joyful and it really is the 50-50 of the
3: journey. Yeah. So, I mean, it's what it's not um, It's not easy and there's not a lot of glory for it. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> One time a friend and I were joking about callings in the church and wanting to scale them on... Which ones have the most glory and which ones are the <laughs> hardest? And, and like, what's the ratio between like? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's, um, great.
1: that's amazing.
3: You know, like no one wants to be the ward clerk. There's no glory and it's like the hardest job. And so mm. you're like, wait.
1: <laughs> True. Oh, man. Well, all the blessings, right? In heaven, laid up in heaven,
3: for sure. That's but what we're going to go in. So you spend so much time with that group of yeah. kids. And that is where the benefit is. Like you just, you just connect with them, and you know their lives, and and you get a chance to encourage. That's one of the things I love most about seminary. Is like these kids are slaughtered when they go to school every day. Yeah, with um, thoughts about who they are and and what their worth and their value, and not just temptation or anything like that, but just you know. And so to have a chance to like encourage and give hope and like you're doing okay you're doing great like I I don't like and a lot of times at that age they want another voice besides their parents voice
2: yeah true
3: I know, and and I have uh, too. So
2: that's why I need another voice for my boys. (laughs) They're going to be like, "Great, that's what we hear from—is our from our mom now? The first thing in the morning?
3: No, (laughs) it's all going to work
1: out perfect." But you kind of said, "Well, I'll be
3: excited to hear what 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 happens." happens. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we'll let you know. Anyway, so the things that you've been saying actually lead us beautifully into this first talking point that I wanted us to come to with our audience, which is so many of our moms. Uh, and caregivers deal with shame associated with the life and you know we hear a lot of things like well I should take care of my body by working out and I should make time for my spiritual well-being and I should make dinner instead of eating out while also striving to be the best mom to these special kids that have been entrusted to my care and how it's those type of thoughts that lead to shame and less productivity instead of the opposite like confidence and more productivity so we just wanted to pick your brain kind of on that for a minute
3: oh man um you know I just uh I think I experienced those kind of things um like everybody else does but I wouldn't necessarily say I have like a um an overabundance of of shame um shame like it, when I hear that word, so I guess we have to kind of define what we mean when we say that. When I hear that word, it makes me feel like um, the idea of, like, I am not um, good enough. Right. right. You know, like, which is different than guilt, right? Yes, it yes. It says, like, oh, I've done something probably not productive, or I've done something harmful, or I've done something wrong. And uh, and I think it's it's so important to differentiate the the two of those from yes. each other, you know? And, um, and so when somebody feels like this sense of shame and they're saying, I, you know, I am not good or I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm the wrong mom for this, you know, kid or or whatever it is. Like I actually, that's, I think that's where there's a, you know, a problem. If if someone's thinking to themselves like, oh, I, um, I should probably make dinner more at the house because that would be better for everybody. It's like, "Oh, that can be a healthy thought. It should be a good like It could be. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe you maybe you should, you know? Um, but you're not a bad mom, you know, if you, if you don't, don't do that. Right. Yeah. It's like, "Wait, who who made the rule for like, you know, I mean, obviously there are some lines where like if you're being harmful and hurtful to your you know, to your kids, it's like those things have to stop."
0: Right.
3: You know? Um, but even if you were being harmful and hurtful, you weren't being harmful and hurtful in all the ways, you know, You're just like, oh, just a couple of the ways. So yeah. I just feel like when someone understands the difference between those two, when they're like, oh, I should, it, w- it would probably be better for our family, for this kid, if we, you know had more meals at home
1: if we did things differently and kind of what we teach is the feeling that drives the action is what matters so if the feeling is hey i have this desire to make my kids healthier food then that doesn't have to come you know that wouldn't be a shameful feeling you wouldn't create guilt from that but the opposite of "Oh, well i should be doing this and i'm not a good mom if i don't the feeling behind that is shame and that's kind of the differentiation there right
3: yeah, and I and whenever I find myself asking that question or hear it when when someone says like I should, I, I just want to ask, um, says who exactly? Like <laughs> when when you say I should do this, like what? Who's the boss of that? Right. Like did somebody like? Yeah, <laughs> and you know that that shows up in so many different circles. This is a little bit different of a, a you know an experience, but I had a girl in class the other day who. It just kind of said, I have a really hard time connecting with God through my scripture study mm-hmm. right now. Like, I'm just not, you know, it's just not happening. I, I just like, it's a little frustrating. It feels a little bit empty, but I know I should be doing it. And da da, da, da da. And what's interesting about that is I was like, wait, who told you you should be doing that? Like, what do you, what do you mean? You right. should be reading your scriptures every, every day. She's like, I, I don't know. You're just, you're just supposed to, right? Like, that's just a. <laughs> You know, and I was like, well, what are you, what are you trying to do? What do you actually, she's like, well, I'm trying to connect with God. And I was like, well, what are some of the ways that you connect with God if it's not scripture? And yeah. she's like, well, I, I like love to go into the mountains and I love music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, then I would suggest you go into the mountains more and you listen to more <laughs> music, right. you know? Instead of saying like, oh, I sh- I'm supposed to be doing it this way or that way. And it's just like, well, that's not working for you yeah. right now. Why would you not try another way? You know, but she's going against this rule. But I just want to say, who made that rule? Right. Or who, who set that expectation? Because I think you probably set it yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, or it was offered to us like subliminal messaging. Somebody said it somewhere along the way, we just picked it up, put it in our brain and we're like, Oh, well, I guess that's how it should be. And don't question it. And that's what brings up so much shame and guilt is when we're not questioning, is this serving me?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that like, even in talk, when you said, is it serving me and also like, you know, is it serving, you know, somebody else? Like when you say, if somebody feels shame about the fact that they're like, Oh, I take the kids out to eat all the time instead of like making home cooked meals. I want to say like, but do you know what the kids think? They think you're the best mom on planet Earth. Exactly. So they're just like, yeah. you know all the they're time. Going, they're going to school and they're bragging to their friends uh, about right. how awesome their mom is. Yeah. And their mom is at home saying, "I'm such a bad mom." Right. <laughs> it is like, a matter of perspective. Like, yeah. For sure. That's exactly totally true. Love it. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's great. Well, <clears throat> as we talk about that, I know that so many times judgment and shame of self, like we've just talked about, shaming ourselves are what create the conditional love for ourselves. So as we transition from trying to understand unconditional love for everyone, including ourselves, if we if we can transition that thought because typically when we stand in judgment or we're judging ourselves or others it's not it's showing conditional love right and and a lot of times
1: judgment comes from a place of shame internally or guilt Mm. yeah it's kind of what drives judgment for self and others
2: and so just thinking thinking back to when I opened saying like okay why is he proud to wear a cross like that wasn't in judgment I wasn't looking at judgment but I thought why am I not proud to do, Like what, you know, what makes me different or what, what viewpoint do I have that's different? You know, and a lot of people aren't separating that. It's more like I'm just being hard on myself, you know. And I mean, it comes can come across as both. Judging others or judging yourself and wondering why you don't do certain things or why other people do. Because when you admire somebody else, you want to do what they do. I tell my kids that all the time. If you like what they have, do if what you they want, do.
1: If you want what they have, do what
2: they do. Yeah, yeah. and so... Um, So with that, just trying to help others understand how important it is to transition into unconditional love for everyone, including self.
3: Um, Well, my first thought, and and then we'll kind of jump into that a little bit, is I actually think that those questions are so good. You know, like the plain example to like look and say, but instead of like, wait, what's wrong with me that I don't have one? It's like, wait, why does why is it all of a sudden? Why am I all of a sudden the standard of what is right and and good? You know, and but rather like, oh, that's interesting that he. Um, it's just kind of like a thought analysis, yes, right? Yes. Where you just like you're just become conscious of the fact that you are thinking about this right now, right? Curious that, like, instead of re-
1: judgmental, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, this isn't reality. These are your thoughts. Mm-hmm. About what's reality? What's reality is is that guy's wearing a cross. That's right. the only thing that's true, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I and mean, then everything else you have to identify as these are my thoughts and assumptions and opinions about a reality that's pretty like simple, right? You know, and on, on all on you know we on every situation. I think it's good to sit back and just be like, okay, what is reality? You know, in this circumstance, and then what are my like thoughts, assumptions, judgments, um, um, all the way EFG, You know, based off of that, right? Right. Um, and so, I, I think that just like helps you get out of. I mean, you just get in your head so much um, on on things, and then if you assume something um, about a person, uh, then all of a sudden right. Then the way that you feel about that person is, is going to start changing. And so I really think step one is just like stopping and just being like, okay, what's actually like reality. The facts. Yes. What's the fact. Okay. And then now, um, everything else that I'm doing is me trying to work through, you know, what that act with that fact, you know, actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I can't remember how I was going to connect that to unconditional love. But anyway, that's what I was thinking as you were telling that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, I mean, it comes back to if you're in judgment, like you were saying, it creates how you feel about somebody because your thoughts create your feelings, which creates basically what we teach is the actions that you then do, like what you do about those thoughts and feelings. And that's how you get the outcomes you have in your life. So for good or bad, if you are in judgment of someone, instead of compassion or curiosity, you're going to create feelings that are negative, which are just going to stew and create negativity for you. But if you can show up, you know, first, you really have to get good at learning how to have unconditional love for yourself and be compassionate for yourself and not beat yourself up with your internal dialogue and narrative. And that way you're better able to do that when you go out into the world and you see something that you're like, oh, that's um, interesting instead of it should be this way, shouldn't be that way, that's right or that's wrong. Those are the Mm -hmm. places where it keeps us really from showing up as our Savior did in unconditional love because he was not one to point a finger or make an immediate judgment of someone.
3: Yeah, and and he just... Loved people where they were as they were. And it didn't mean that he didn't want something different for them or to remove harmful things from their life. You know, like it's okay to have those at the same time. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just like, Oh, um, I bet you would um, experience life better if you would cut out this, this and this, Like he was not afraid to tell people to cut things out of, their life right
4: um
3: but it never was i will love you once you cut that out of your life
4: yes right it
3: was i love you and because i love you i actually would like you to cut that out mm-hmm. of your life
4: yeah. um
3: and i think that that's that's uh, an important when we say conditional love what we're saying is right like if a and b then i will love you Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and I wonder where that comes from with ourselves like that would be so interesting and you guys have probably explored this so much you know um as you have thought through this and talked with people and taught on this that where that even comes from with with us like why why people don't love themselves why they've decided that you know that I don't love who I am I I don't don't know. What do you want to say about that? It's just that subconscious thing.
1: Like when I'm coaching people about how to change their internal narrative that is negative and creating more negativity in their world, it's that you have this, I do this bag analogy where you have this bag and people have offered you thoughts along the way that you didn't even question. You just stuck them right in your bag. And so Mm. you subconsciously have picked all this garbage up along the way that you've allowed to just run in the background in your head. And create all the misery that's happening in your life. And so when we can learn to shut that down by stopping judging it, allowing for it, understanding that it's part of the human experience to have parents and society and the outside world kind of offering these things. And until we become aware of what we're allowing in, we can't change it. And so really just becoming aware of those thoughts is where we can learn to get out of judgment, move into compassion and love ourselves exactly where we're at first, knowing that we just have picked up everything along the way that was offered to us. And now we're going to decide on purpose what we want to keep and how we're going to love ourselves better, because ultimately, when we love ourselves unconditionally it's so much easier to love others unconditionally and that's why we have to get out of that shame and judgment for ourselves and really, you know, put it out into the world that I love you. I may not agree with you. We may see things differently. I'm curious about why you are the way you are, why you do the things you do instead of judging other people. And especially that matters so much to us because I have you know, a severely autistic daughter who's also developed, you know, severely developmentally delayed. And on the outside, she doesn't really look much different. She looks like a pretty typical kid. But then I also have a son who has a very severe head and neck malformation. That's very apparent when you look at him. And so it's important to me to really teach and advocate for loving everybody, regardless of the um, abilities that they have in life. And when we can love ourselves unconditionally first, when we look at another human that looks different from us or acts different from us, we can have that first inclination of curiosity, intrigue, compassion rather than judgment. Mm.
2: And you guys spoke to that so well on this last episode that you did on the Don't Miss This as you talked about faith traditions, how you both love others in their faith traditions Mm -hmm. and how they can all be so different and intriguing like Kimberly was just talking right. about. So in so many different levels and aspects of our life, this works, this principle works of just, I keep repeating it um, <laughs> about meeting people where they're at without that judgment, mm-hmm. but with that curiosity, that intrigue, because there's a place for all of us.
3: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say um, I've just like been thinking about this a, a whole lot recently that, um, uh, let me start with this in saying that I think that God has scattered his spiritual gifts among his children mm-hmm. like the, there's not a single person that has all of these spiritual gifts and when I say spiritual gifts I, I, I'm also thinking of them as manifestations of the like the heart and character of God mm-hmm. right and uh, and he has scattered that I think on purpose among all of his children. And so really the only way to get a more mature and full view of what God's heart and character are like is with other people. Yes. Um, Like you cannot experience all of who God is by yourself on purpose. They're scattered among us because so, um, the thing that's dangerous about judgment and exclusion is that you're actually limiting your chance to experience more of who God is and what God's heart is, is like. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, I just, I, in my life, my uh, experiences in understanding God and feeling God's presence and feeling God's love have more often than not involved another person. Yes. And so um, I think that would be the danger of ever, you know, like uh, it's it would be so limiting to, like, oh, not have a chance, to, mm-hmm. you know, to learn from someone's story and experiences and to experience, you know, that attribute of God that they have in them that you might not be able to experience with any other person or in any other circumstance. Yes. You know? So beautiful. And how said. sad if it's, if it's because they're another race or another religion or because they have some sort of, um, illness physically or, or mentally, like how sad that you to exclude
4: Mm -hmm. or
3: to think that person has nothing to offer me, you know? Um, like it just is like, Oh, you are missing out on some of the greatest parts of, of this world. Um, by doing that. And I think that's why we even want to address it. Right. That's yes. why we want to say like, Oh, you've, you've got to address this because, you know, um, I have this working definition of eternal life right now in my mind. When, whenever that phrase comes up for a long time, it meant heaven to me, uh-huh. you know, it meant like end game. It meant the final, whatever that even looks like. I don't even know. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and over the last couple of years that has shifted to me, Um, in my, like, thinking, when I hear that phrase, eternal life, what it means to me right now is to be um, alive to God and to others. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And that is something that you can experience um, here. You can become more alive to God and more alive to other people in relationship and connection. And you can experience what I think the scriptures call eternal life, like right now, currently. And I think it involves other people.
1: I know that for me, that's for sure. I have, you know, like I said, my Jocelyn who I truly believe is one of those elect right hand of God spirits. And I get to have her in my life every day. And what an amazing joy and blessing it is to experience that level of heaven, that eternal life in my life, every single day day it is beautiful and that was so such a beautiful analogy to think about it that way thank you for sharing it in that way that was beautiful oh sure all right well we will go ahead and move towards closing but can you enlighten us on why you were wearing a cross on the plane that day
3: oh sure (laughs) we never answered Um, that question (laughs) I know I guess that's true we just kept bringing it up all the time yeah um I, well, it wasn't just that day. I, I wear one, um, consistently. I have a church shirt on right now, so you can't, you know, it doesn't, um, come through or see it or anything. Oh, although I have one on my wrist. Okay. And my little daughter made me this one. This is my Cute. new cross bracelet. Yes. She just made it for me. Um, I just went on a trip. We just went on a trip, um, to, Africa for an HGFY trip, my oldest son, and I went on this trip together. And, uh, I mean, and, and just speaking of what we've been talking about, like, um, it was so valuable for both of us to step out of our normal world, Mm -hmm. um, for the very reasons that we've been talking about. It was the thing that was most valuable about that trip. It's like, I stepped out of my normal rhythms and I stepped out of my normal circles and the people I'm usually with and entered a world of people who think and live and act, you know, in, in some ways really differently than me, other ways the same. Um, Mm -hmm. and just to learn to appreciate people who are different to see the beauty in the things that are, are different. And to know, um, if, 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 uh, if, God has infinite ways of being able to relate to us. And there must be infinite ways for us to be able to relate to him. Of course. And it's just so great to step out. Anyways. um, So I, I don't know how long I've worn a cross for. I, I, um, I grew up in Houston. And so I, I never really, I mean, when I got married, all my mom's tennis friends all gave us crystal crosses and, Mm -hmm jewelry boxes with crosses on you know yeah. uh, you know those kind of things that it's are the very southern in, thing for sure yeah yeah sure. that you just get a hobby lobby yeah. and and then you just give as a wedding gift and so I grew up you know around it and stuff like that obviously not I grew up in the LDS faith tradition and so like I didn't like um, I didn't have uh, you know been at church or or anything like that. And I suppose I never really thought about it, but I always kind of liked the cross. Like I always yeah. like, um, I remember as a kid going to, um, where, where were we? Oh, Independence, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anyone's ever been there before, but there is the Community of Christ temple that's there um, that looks like it's a big seashell, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And inside they had this really big cross and it was made up from wood. From all over the world. Wow. And like I sat in front of it as like a 13 year old and it made me cry like I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, oh my gosh. Look at God for God so loved the whole world. Yeah. You know, is what I, I thought. And then and then I was like, wait, that's exactly what that symbol represents. It represents uh love and it represents sacrifice. And it represents what God thinks I'm worth. Like it says, it says to me, I will go to the far depth of hell to rescue you if I have to. Yeah. I'm willing to. And I think that you're worth that to me. And so when I see that symbol, I like I just see love and I know other people don't. And that's OK, because we get to like endow symbols with power right right and and meaning and every, and everybody does that differently and and within latter day saint faith tradition we've kind of endowed the absence of a symbol with power which is great right like there, there, there's actually power and and meaning in saying like oh we i i don't have that symbol because i want to think about um, something else in, instead you know right. but for me personally i'm just like if someone were to say draw me a symbol that reminds you of jesus I'd be like, oh, it would be the cross. Yes. Uh, or draw me a symbol of um, the greatest act of love in the history of the world. You know, it would be it would be the same symbol for me. And right. so I love it. I, I adore it. I, I have them. All my kids wear them. Mm. Um, they'll ask for them. And I can't say no. I'm just like, of course, you know, like if, like, <laughs> you know, my oldest son like the other day wanted a new one, and he's like, "Yeah, can I get another cross?" And I actually was like, "I'll buy it for you." If I would have said yes, anyways, but I was like, "I'll buy it for you if you go to young men's camp with no complaints." <laughs> um, I was like, "This is I was like, this is such a win 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 for me right I now." He it. wants the cross, and he's gonna like I'm gonna buy out his complaints, but mm-hmm. um and. You know, like, my father-in-law doesn't love them in my house because he's a little bit, like, he, the. it makes him a little uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, he's just like, I just don't like that symbol. Like, it um, kind of just reminds me of torture. and. It
1: has a different meaning you know. for him.
3: Yeah, yeah, it has a different meaning. That's or, or maybe it's a little too taboo for him. Uh-huh. The first time he came over, I shouldn't have said this, but the first time he came and, and he actually said something about it, he was just like, I don't really like that, and I was like, "Well, are you a vampire? Like, why do you? Why? Like, why do you not?" Like? <laughs> oh no! Which is like, which is not very compassionate at all. It's like, oh, you can have whatever. I was like, oh, that's fine. You don't have to, but uh, I do. Uh, you know, I, to me, it's just. And and speaking of the ugliness of it, you know,
4: yeah,
3: it really is. First century Christians, second century Christians, would be appalled to walk into Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Like they, they would absolutely lose their mind. Yeah. Why in the world would you have that horrible torture device
4: mm-hmm. hanging on your
3: walls, crocheted on your pillows, yeah. in vinyl lettering on your cars, on your jewelry? Why would you ever, ever have something like that? Because that moment in history is the ugliest moment in, in in our whole world, right? That Calvary is the, our lowest point. It, it just is awful to consider mm-hmm. what humanity was capable of and to who, you know, they were carrying this out on. And, and to me, it is really beautiful that God has taken the most unfair and ugliest moment in time and turned it into a beautiful symbol of hope and life and light for people like that is what people experience when they see it and it makes me think no matter how ugly my life may look or my circumstances are I believe in a God who can turn them beautiful
2: yes oh that's so amazing well you've changed my paradigm for sure so I appreciate that (laughs) I mean I wear a bracelet that you know he would love first. So obviously yeah, represents yeah. a similar well, thing, fine. right? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, anyway, but that is absolutely beautiful. And I love that because yeah, I think I, I have an old fashioned mind and we were raised that we don't focus on that. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, like you're saying, we just pick things out of the air and we right. just think that's what our your head pain. like, okay, that's how it <clears throat> is. But I also, um, I love that. I love that so much because although it was the very lowest, it was also the very most beautiful, right? Very right. Involved. Yeah. So, yeah. and,
3: and that is sure. fun. That is funny how we pick those things up, right? Because yeah. I, you know, people say that to me growing up all the time. It's like, oh, we actually don't focus on his death, and then I was like, oh, okay, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then one day I was like, well, I we kind of do in yeah. <laughs> Every week,
1: when we partake of his, you know, flesh and blood, yes,
3: like those are like emblems of the sacrifice, right? If 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 the sacrament was a resurrection ordinance, like the priest would lift the blanket and it would be empty,
1: right? You know, we would be like, oh, the tomb is empty, or
3: something. (laughs) And I was like, oh, because I so people always said it, and then one day I started thinking, and I was like,
1: see, you started thinking. If we all would just start thinking. (laughs) Oh, that's so beautiful. And that actually leads us to um, where we close and and remind everybody that the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. And Mm -hmm. we like to get things a little lighthearted before we end with a would you rather. So today, because we enjoy David Butler's humor so much, we asked him if he wanted to think of a would you rather.
3: Okay. Okay. This is one that one of my kids said. All right. Hopefully it's not inappropriate. No. But we talk about it all here. Yeah. He said, Would you rather not be able to distinguish between babies and muffins? Okay. (laughs) So, like, you wouldn't know what was a baby and what was a muffin ever.
1: Oh, my gosh.
3: Or, (laughs) oh, no. Or, um, have your gender changed every time that you sneeze?
1: Yes. Okay. Oh, I think I
2: have read that one before somewhere. <laughs> that is pretty. Have funny. your gender changed every, every time you sneeze? sneeze. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't sneeze a lot. I like when I sneeze, but I don't know if I'd like it anymore. I know that's like a <laughs>
3: Freaky Friday. Or gone the people wrong. who like sneezes, but to sneeze think multiple, just
1: eating a baby, like like oh, I didn't know this was <laughs> oh. a baby and it looks delicious. But then
3: I think you could just ask. I think I picked the first one because you just ask. Every time yeah. you see a muffin, you <laughs> just have to ask baby? someone next to you, like, is this a baby or a muffin? <laughs> okay, and then you look like completely think- insane. <laughs> so we right. have to look completely
1: insane or change genders. <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, yeah, oh. I, I'm, I think I'm picking the first two because, quite honestly, I, yeah, I I there's wanna, a little curiosity for me about well, what it's like to be a man. To be though. a man, yeah.
1: That's <laughs> true. Know.
3: Temporarily. Until there you, you go temporarily cuz I
1: could like sniff a little pepper know. if I didn't like it, right?
3: Yeah, <laughs> <and> change that.
1: <laughs> I'm picking the you second can control, one. Yeah. You're yeah. going to do babies and muffins and I'm going to do gender change. What would you pick,
3: David Butler? Uh, the muffins. All right. Yeah. You don't want to be I a woman, think huh? Be fun. I just want to create the moment of asking people.
1: All right. Yeah. There you, you know. go. Great.
3: Yeah. <laughs> perfect
1: well thank you so much for joining us today we appreciate your time your beautiful um ways that you have shared these ideas with us today and uh thank you everyone who's listened in again this week and we hope everybody has a fantastic week you
0: You've been listening to The Clarity Call with Alicia and Kimberly. Find additional episodes of the program on any popular podcast app or search Apple iTunes. You may also subscribe to The Clarity Call to catch every episode. If you've enjoyed the content of this podcast, we invite you to share it and please leave a rating and review of our program. If you'd like to connect with Alicia and Kimberly on social media, you can find them on Instagram as The Clarity Call or on Facebook under Clarity Call. They can also be reached by email at theclaritycall at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and supporting our program.